Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants. And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. Yo, yo, welcome to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard commentary <laughs> <No>. podcast. <laughs> See, now you can't tell me awful things right as the recording is starting and then like I can't comment I on them. You just say them and the they're worst. recorded. <laughs> it's the worst. I don't know if I have five security companies I'm like really excited about that I haven't worked with. Like I'm most excited about the ones that I've worked with in some way. Um, like Dude, some of them too. are no longer active clients. But... I'm glad you said that because me too. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like if it's just us talking about our clients the whole time, like that's not very fun. Yeah, yeah. Like I thought I was going to have five off the top of my head and I don't. I see. I I don't think there's that much movement in our space is the problem. There's a lot of funding in our space. So there's a lot of companies getting started. We could just make this like Andrew and Sean play with Mike's data and slice it and dice it and like look for things that look interesting and it's all just a massive advertisement for mike's like (laughs) air table (laughs) i mean i don't have access to mike's data to be honest so i do i see we're good friends we we pay that's fair also it was just like yeah i mean i'm using all of your data to get leads (laughs) so i might as well just pay for it and not have to create my own separate spreadsheet (laughs) i love it it. although we still create our own separate spreadsheet because it doesn't have contact information Oh, I see. Hey, Mike, if you ever want to start tracking intent data, let me know. If you ever build a Zoom info integration with your your data, let me know. See, the difference between you and I, Andrew, is that I'm so delusional that I think, oh, you know what? (laughs) I manifested it because I needed it to come in. (laughs) That's what I did differently. I've definitely had that feeling before. Uh-huh. So when we moved from Columbia to Charleston, and this is like a tiny, tiny example of just like yeah. weird universe juju. Yeah. When we moved the company from Columbia to Charleston, there were just three of us. We were making yeah. no money. We had no yeah. money in our bank account to like do anything with, but we just like needed to get out of our hometown. And so we were like, fuck it. We're going to move from Columbia to Charleston. Not that big a move. You know, most companies would move to San Francisco or New York. We moved to Charleston, South Carolina. But it was significantly more expensive and it was like a step up for us. We had a place for the three of us to live and we were just like, all right, screw it. We'll just work from the kitchen table if we need to. But then a week before we were supposed to move, I was down in Charleston. Austin had been keeping an eye on Craigslist and he calls me and he's like, hey, do you have time to go like check out this office? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll check it out. There's this PR agency with this beautiful office with these giant windows. It's tiny, but it was beautiful right above an art gallery, right smack in downtown Charleston. And they needed to move out in a hurry because I think they were like going remote or they were moving back to Savannah or something. Mm -hmm. So they were like, we need someone to take over our lease in a hurry. We will sell you all of our furniture for a thousand dollars and rent is about a grand a month. And it was just like this perfect, it was everything we needed at that point in time. It was just so perfect for us. I walked out of the office, called Austin. It's like, yeah, we should do this. Walked back in and we took it and then we moved in like a week later. And it was just one of those weird serendipity moments of, and there have been a couple of those of just like, I'm not sure how this shit's going to work out, but it just does. Yeah, dude. (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) Back when I was selling t-shirts out of the Amazon t-shirt thing that I was doing, 
I wouldn't get any sales, but I had one of my own t-shirts. And every time I wore it out, I would check back on Amazon and there would be like one or two sales on it. Probably pure coincidence, but that's just that main character energy, Andrew. That's just, <laughs> the, you know, <laughs> that deeply flawed, delusional, <laughs> it'll definitely work out at the end, plot armor, main character energy. That's what it is. Yeah. Pipeline's good. Pipeline is just a fucking yo-yo all the time. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could pretend to be a marketing genius who is like, yeah, we totally launched this brilliant campaign and that's exactly why our pipeline is now full. I think we did get one lead because of some cold emails I sent. Okay. So I'm going to keep trying to do that nice. and it's going to keep not working 90% of the time and 99% <laughs> of the time. And it only has to work 1% yep. of the time. It, it, I would prefer like a 5% conversion rate or something like that. For sure. 1% is pretty demoralizing and I don't know if I have time for that, but like, you know, if I could, if I could get like a five to 10% conversion rate, that would be maybe all right. A company who we have tried to work with, this will be the third time we've tried to work with them, mm -hmm. three different VPs of product. Yep. And they have, we were really close to signing something with them once. Then our main point of contact got fired, Yeah. got replaced, started talking to the second person, we're a finalist for the second person. And then they decided, no, nah, we're going to go with the company we already know and we've already worked with. Fast forward to a year later and they're like, hey, I just started a job as VP of product here and someone told me I should talk to you. And I was like, hello. Luckily, their VP of product has a great sense of humor. And so we we had a good laugh Amazing. about it and had, yeah. you know, she seems fantastic. So we'll see what that happens with that. Got one like non-security lead who just like filled out a form on our website. No idea how they found out about us. And then one of the largest security companies in the world. I can't say who yet mm -hmm. on the podcast, I don't think, but... Mm -hmm. Um, one of the largest security companies in the world reached out to us and was like, hey, are you interested in talking about helping us overhaul our onboarding? And I was like, oh, shit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm interested in doing. Yeah, that is. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. So again, I wish I could pretend to be like a great agency owner who has his shit together and it's like yeah i know exactly how these things happened and it's because of this repeatable process that i've built and i can now train other people to do this repeatable process and we will grow like wildfire nope and I'm, I'm just over here throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks gotcha <laughs> that's what it feels like at least <laughs> well I think you tend to not give yourself enough credit. The seeds that you've planted in the past are paying off now. And I think like what you did last week, those seeds will probably pay off in a month or so or whatever. I think Six they all... Months, two years, yeah. three years. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it'll cash in eventually. You just set it and forget it. Yeah. I do think that's the reality of agency sales. Maybe it's a cop out, mm -hmm. but I think, I think it is mm -hmm. the reality of agency sales that mm -hmm. it is about... It's not about conversion optimization. It's a lot about just like writing, thinking, talking about what you're thinking about, mm -hmm. and then just like shaking hands, building relationships, just the long, slow grind of building a network and telling people about what you do and trying to help people out where you can and just waiting for it to kind of come back around. That's the only thing that I've ever seen work in agency sales, maybe other people have found different things that work for them, but that's what's always worked for me. Do you think that you will get to a point where there is that sort of repeatable process? Like, 
Do you feel like you're close to it? Are marketing and sales outbound really all that different or are they essentially the same thing? Yes. Just different, different channels. Andrew. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa, hold on a second, Mr. Sa- Product. Outbound, outbound sales is just a channel, is just a marketing channel. I think that that is a perfectly defensible statement. Wow, that's crazy. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> Tell me why I'm wrong. You're wrong because, well, okay. I think it depends. I think, do they go hand in hand? Yes. Is the future of marketing revenue marketing? Yes. Do I totally know how to explain to you on this podcast right now what revenue marketing is? No. But is it basically just the same thing that people have been saying, but with a different buzzword? Yeah, kind of, a little bit. Okay. I think that they are different, but I think that the reason you're saying they are similar is because you're a big PLG nerd. And the where PLG comes from is that in business to consumer products, marketing contributes to a lot of sales, right? Because when you look at like direct-to-consumer products, no one's talking to a sales rep. However, sales is still important because buyers do not buy through marketing channels. Buyers buy through relationships with salespeople and account executives. They are different. That being said, there's also like account-based marketing, which is then closely tied to sales, where you are doing certain things to improve the potential of creating a relationship with a prospect. Regardless, I think that they are different things. I just think they're of the same breed. And I think it's good that they're now more and more closer to being of the same breed. So outbound sales mm-hmm. is a form of demand generation. It's a channel for demand generation You or lead generation. You wouldn't argue with that, right? <sighs> Define outbound sales. What do you mean by outbound sales? Do you mean like strictly like dialing for dollars? Do you mean? Yeah, when I when I think outbound sales, I think cold outreach okay. cold or lukewarm outreach it's me going out and trying to pull things in mm-hmm. so it's either email or phone mostly and it's reaching out to people to try to catch them at the right time when they are converting to problem aware and be able to be kind of right place right time to be like yeah we can help you with that mm-hmm. sure Yes, outbound sales has a lot more to do with like bottom of the funnel sort of things in marketing. I, I consider it more top of the funnel or maybe middle. I just don't think outbound sales is a marketing channel. Why not? Because the intention is different, right? Isn't the intention of most marketing efforts to generate leads somewhere down the line? Like, you can argue that there's like brand marketing, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. brand awareness is all we care about. We're just going out and mm-hmm. doing creative, funky, weird things. And, and we're trying to get people aware that we exist. But the whole reason you're trying to get people aware that you exist is so that they start to interact with your content and then somewhere down the line become a lead or a prospect or whatever you want to call it. Sure. And so it's essentially just they're all just channels. Uh-huh. Outbound sales to me is more of a marketing channel than it is anything else. It's a, a demand generation channel or a lead generation channel. Let's step back really quickly. Do all certain things like in marketing or sales fall under this idea of like channels? Yeah, I think channel is like medium in which 
something happens. But I don't think that it's fair to say that like outbound sales is demand gen. I don't think outbound sales generate demand. Why do we do it then? Uh, the only reason I'm doing outbound sales is mm. so that I can find prospects. But you don't, yeah, you're not generating demand. Okay, lead gen. Maybe I used the wrong terminology. Lead gen. Yeah, sure. I mean... I'm generating leads. I think that for most marketing orgs, most of them are structured around like inbound marketing, right? Do you not think that's true? You're shaking your head, so... Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like all the marketing people I know... Yeah. Like there's content marketing people who are all about inbound, and it seems like everyone else in marketing is always talking about advertising and PPC and brand well that that's inbound that's to generate inbound as well ppc isn't inbound that's totally outbound uh you want leads that come in right ppc is people clicking on like an ad and then yeah yeah they're signing up i think Uh of advertising is outbound interesting because to me you're going out and spraying something beyond your like sphere of influence and it's outbound in the same way that outbound sales is outbound Uh you're hoping that someone is going to click a link in your email or respond to your email and then come in and be a lead sure but you're going out to find them versus inbound is like they're interacting with your content and then they're coming to you and saying like hey uh, sign me up i'm ready okay and i mean i guess it all gets blurry because you could argue that like inbound you still have to like promote your content outside of your sphere of influence to grow your sphere of influence but well how do you promote your content it's a messy no, it's painful not. experience <laughs> no, it's but, not. you, you know. promote it through <laughs> you you find content market fit and then you just you buy ads because that's inbound marketing that's inbound. <laughs> why are you giving me that face so i <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> i think we do not spend ads to promote our content for sure and i'm very reluctant i'm very skeptical of how effective that would be for an agency for a product-based company i guess i get it mm-hmm. but well i'm not saying that crit should do it i'm just saying that one of the ways that it's done yeah 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 i mean i guess advertising is a big channel again <laughs> for content promotion along with something that almost looks like outbound where you reach out to people to let them know about your content along with mm. organic social al- along with a bunch of the cross promotion guest posting kind of stuff so yeah yeah okay that makes sense to me that absolutely is a core pillar of how most people promote their content if they have a sizable budget yes yeah but yeah regardless you try to distribute your content in whichever channels you can think of right Yes, you try to distribute your content in whichever ways you can, like emailing someone your content versus creating like a ad campaign versus tweeting it out on Twitter. I think that sales and marketing, there are two very different like workflows. It's no longer like this linear marketing is this top of funnel, middle, middle of funnel you know, bottom of funnel. You also have to keep in mind that like my perspective is almost entirely like super early stage. Like I am myself still a relatively early stage founder. Yeah. I have mostly studied early stage founders and at the earliest stages, the lines drawing lines like doesn't make sense for anybody. Yeah. So like most of where I get when I when I start thinking about marketing channels and like thinking about lead generation, I immediately mm-hmm. go to the bullseye framework. What's the bullseye framework? 
So, you know how last week we were talking about the book Traction? Yeah. The entrepreneur. <laughs> I started reading that, by the way. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, there's another book called Traction, which is super uh -oh. confusing. Um, uh -huh. That lays out the bullseye framework. It was written by the founder of DuckDuckGo. Cool. And it's all about how to find how to do distribution of products. Mm -hmm. And the bullseye framework is basically just like, hey, there's essentially 12 core channels. Outbound, search engine advertising, yeah. you know, social advertising, traditional advertising, PR, yeah. non-traditional PR, content marketing, SEO. Like they lay out like 12 channels and it's like yep. those channels are how you get people aware of your product. Go test three at a time until you find one that works and then just put all of your energy into that one and just like push really hard on that one. Yeah. Until it stops working and then do it again. Yeah. That's essentially the the bullseye framework in 30 seconds. This is funny because that book is written a while ago, right? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 I think it was probably like 2014 or something. Yeah. 2014, 2015 this idea of splitting the funnel and focusing on which ones are converting the best and going all in on it has been a hot topic for the past year in B2B marketing, right? It's like this brand new <laughs> discovery. <laughs> it's like, Nothing is new. It's good that you brought up the bullseye thing because it's related to my question. My question was just that, you know, you're experimenting with a bunch of different things and, and methods right I, you're saying that you're throwing shit at the wall i think you're just kind of doing kind of a mildly scientific business experiment of what works for you the question that i'm getting to is as you kind of tested ver these various channels are you almost at phase two where you can just go all in it depends on the day so like last october november cold email started working for us for the first time ever and i was like oh shit yeah we should just go all in on this like we should do more of this and to be fair i didn't really go all in because all in probably would have meant investing more than just my time but then like, for the first three months of this year cold email was just like crickets either something's changed or i'm just dealing with a small sample size or it's sort of market timing like time of the year like not sure what's going on i'm gonna keep doing it keep testing it out mm -hmm. and then like last week i got a you know sort of lead from cold email I guess the thing I'm struggling with is what is enough traction <laughs> mm -hmm. on a channel? What What's enough signal uh, from a channel to invest more heavily in it? And then the other two channels that have worked for us in the past, I want to continue investing in those. And we're doing content marketing. Mm -hmm. We're publishing content. This was actually one of my problems with the bullseye framework was I feel like it didn't do a good enough job of explaining like how long to test different things and like how to design a really good test. And because everyone says content marketing is one of those things that just takes a long time to pay off and attribution is really hard. We're creating content that I think is compelling and we're, we're putting it out into the world. And I think we're a long ways away from saying like, yes, this is working, but we're going to keep doing it because it's worked for us in the past. All of the reading I've done on agencies says like thought leadership content is like kind of one important pillar of building a successful like agency business mm -hmm. and so i'm trusting the wisdom of the crowd a little bit and just relying on that and then the other thing that we're trying is events but we're not hosting events we're not really playing a key part in events yet mm -hmm. and so i would almost group it with like this larger idea of just kind of like relationship building mm -hmm. 
which you could maybe describe as like business development. But to me, we've never been at a point where we've clearly identified like a business partnership. There's some agencies who have partnerships with Microsoft and those Mm -hmm. partnerships apply them just a steady stream of leads. Like business development, we've never figured out how to make it work quite like that. But, you know, we're doing like little business development, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, going to conferences and just meeting people and talking to people and trying Mm -hmm. to be an interesting, kind human being and building friendships. Aren't you doing like VC-esque friendships as well? Yeah, yeah. So we're doing some... Yeah, yeah. That's what we do. Some VC outreach. I would say I haven't really figured out how to like step that up or how to cement that and make it a bigger thing yet. Mm -hmm. But that's something we're, we're kind of experimenting with. So yeah, there's like this sort of business development relationship building thing. Mm -hmm. So those are probably the three channels that I would say we're kind of simultaneously testing. We're still questioning if we have enough signal from any of them to go all in on it and what all in looks like for us, what kind of budget Mm -hmm. we can really devote to all in and and all that. Do you have a hunch? I have a hot take on the content marketing piece later, but do you have a hunch? Um, I mean, this is maybe counter to the idea of the bullseye framework but like my hunch is that it's never going to be one and done it's always going to be a sort of mix of all three okay that's fair and then it's just figuring out like when can that be handed off and like owned Mm -hmm. and what does that look like yeah that's my hunch but i'm not sure if i could totally articulate why that is i mean my hunch about that is different channels work during different parts of the quarter right i think that a trend of when you and i complain about pipeline is usually at the beginning of a quarter deals are seem like they're coming in a little bit more they're sometimes midway through or near the end of a quarter huh which makes sense for professional service sales right there's a lot of planning early on i think at least again we don't have enough data it's just more of like a, a hunch sort of thing but like, I don't think we do anything differently, but near the end of a year, it seems like budgets are a lot more loose. And it's just like, oh, there's budget left over. Let's get an agency to do this X thing because we can, because it'll just reset the next year anyway, right? So that's my hunch. That makes a ton of sense. I want to believe it. I'm going to think on that and, you know, maybe at some point we'll have the data to back that up. That's cool. Yeah. The reason I'm saying this is because I was talking to someone about it and I got very quickly humbled because... It was the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, like sales are doing so good right now. There was this feeling of like, okay, I think we're going to hit like some sort of terminal velocity with miscreants. We're going to do great. I think, you know, I think I was telling you there was like some success in December around deals and whatnot. And I was talking to my my previous boss who was like my finance mentor. Well, it was my finance internship in high school and, and we've kind of kept in touch since. And he was like, do you know where the spend is coming from? It's like, no, it's like, you know, it's the end of the year, right? He was like, check your numbers in January and February and see if you've kept the same momentum. It's interesting. I feel like our numbers are often best in like January, February. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because of the nature of our sales process. Like we're often mm-hmm. selling ahead of when the like project mm-hmm. budget hits. Yeah, I think our sales cycles are pretty different, right? I feel like most people don't have a continual dedicated, hey, here's what we can spend on product outside of our team. Whereas within marketing, it does seem like there's a set aside budget for outside of the team. Here's the budget we have to like do marketing things. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that that means that the pattern doesn't still fit for us. I just think it might be like slightly different. We usually talk to different departments. It does make things vastly different. Yeah. Like our sales cycles are super short. If the conversation goes past like two weeks, we're probably not winning the deal. Yeah. Our typical sales cycle is like often four to six weeks from initial contact before we even do a discovery session. And then that's another like four to six weeks. Makes sense. We've had some deals close faster. Like we've had some where it's like, yep, first call. Like, yep, yep, let's go. Yeah. But even then, it's still usually a a few weeks before we're scheduling that sort of initial discovery session. So tell me about your your COO. She's great. She just started today. Exciting. Super, super excited to have JJ on. We also brought on a project delivery lead. Okay. So welcome, Ewan. Very excited to have them. Is that sort of like a project management position? It is, but specifically for our internal product that we've been... Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one thing that... Yeah, the nice thing about bootstrapping a security product is that I don't sleep at night at all anymore because it terrifies me that all of our profits go to that outside of, you know, outside of everyone else's salary and raises and all that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's exciting. But yeah, I think this is sort of like the headspace I've gotten into for the past like month or so. I think as like a solo agency owner, I've been picking between being like an owner slash leader, being a creative director, and then also doing sales. And then the and then the bunch of other sort of like things, lots of key personal risk. And I knew at some point we had to build more structure. I think I've told you this multiple podcasts of like saying, Yeah, we're gonna make this month about process. We just haven't because as good as I am with dealing with like ambiguity, I think the lack of experience problem is still there. And I think that, yes, I think if I keep doing this for five years, I'll build enough experience where I have a process I'm happy with, or I can just cheat and bring someone awesome like JJ on, who's like a killer and kind of like have her <laughs> whip us into shape. I mean, we're trying to grow quickly. I was telling you this, as I said, I'd say on the podcast as well, like we're slashing actually some of our pricing to go down from a little bit of, I think we've priced it in like an insane premium for a while. And I think it's worked. And I think the premium has been worth it for our clients because we put in a lot of work. However, you know, with startups that we're working with, they might just not need that level of work to it, right? Like, like you don't need the full, like if you're trying to move fast, you don't need the extra month of like let's say exploration work or something like that for your brand or something, right? It, we can just move faster. Anyway, we're optimizing for new logo acquisition. I think there's a large amount in our pipeline that I've been recently like almost scared to follow up on. Like verbal commits of like, hey, we want to work with you. We just didn't totally have the right structure in place to feel like I could take on that much client work at once without just sacrificing work product. So that's why we have a COO as well as some other folks, which I haven't shouted out, but I've told you about outside of the podcast, like Ben, who joined us was awesome. I think he's the only designer I know with an OCP, which is really cool. I don't think I've told you that Caleb has joined, but Caleb runs our motion department Been selling a lot of motion work. I think we just also verbally committed to like another five or six of these things. I have to show you something later, which is cool which would be pretty cool. But um, regardless, yeah, we're at this like 
interesting adolescent stage. And I think I'm very excited to work with JJ because I think that she'll help us kind of go through puberty in a good way, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Have you all talked about any of her first projects and like how you're going to get her onboarded and like what you want her to tackle first? So she started today. A lot of it has been sort of onboarding, talking about the various people that are here. Also, where I hope to kind of see them here in five years in terms of where I think they will grow to. We've been a very like flat hierarchy for a really long time, which is great. <laughs> but with the contractors that we have and 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 our full-time staff and our sort of part-time staff, there's 20 people in the Slack now. And I am real tired of being the single person they all talk to. Not that I don't like talking to any of them. It's just kind of like I can't get to all of them anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, you need people to help yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. People to start solving their own problems and yeah. other people to help each other and all that. Yeah, yeah. So... As the book Traction, the EOS, suggests, I'll be working with JJ on the next thing is like a project intake workflow process. The thing I am committing to this week is that miscreens.com deserves its like rebrand. Just a little bit of extra spit shine on the logo, talking about if we even want to keep the current logo. Anyway, basically not going to sleep at all. Going to work 96 hours this week or more giving up my entire weekend into this. But hopefully by Monday, we'll be on this sort of like better path that gives us a much more clear direction and vision. I think, okay, going back to like this triangle thing, I think I spent the last six weeks on sales and creative direction, but I don't think I've been a very good like leader of my agency um, in that I think I've been a good like creative director. I think I've gotten involved with projects. I think that we've produce the work in the past six weeks that I'm really, really proud of, mm -hmm. which is a good sign. However, I think I've let a lot of ambiguity build up around what Miscreants is, where we're going, vision, culture, brand values, ethos. Things just kind of happen. There's no like rallying sort of person at the helm because I've just kind of removed my way from myself from that position. And I was thinking about this yesterday. I think I've like not stepped up into this position and i was talking to melissa who is our like people manager so wait that's a new position too right because you were talking i think last podcast you were talking about bringing on a people manager but i don't think it was official yet yeah yeah melissa is official i'm also very stressed our payroll has doubled overnight which is terrifying it's fine everyone's salaries are fine which is good melissa's known me before she's like oh i know you're self-spoken but like sometimes during these like team bonding or like weekly kind of meetings like people will talk over you i don't think that that's necessarily a problem it's much to me it was more of like a oh like i i just completely like relinquished myself of the duty of ever trying to like run a tight meeting i've just like let the meeting sort of and, and i think that's why some meetings will extend by an extra 15 or minutes or half hour because i just haven't gone and taken the reins as like a leader for a while so anyway kind of mentally slap myself in the face and back on my bullshit well and i'll say a couple mm -hmm. things to you one which is just to echo what you said to me earlier which is like give yourself some grace and like be kind to yourself you know you mm -hmm. you're doing a hard thing and you're bringing on a bunch of people and you're you're trying to keep things moving in the right direction and you know i know that your team does respect you and you know admires what you have done and what you have created mm -hmm. at least from the folks that i've met I, I think you were using the meeting as just sort of an example, like a symptom of like a larger thing, right? 
as the leader isn't doesn't have to be to facilitate the meeting, but it is to like provide direction. And so if you're not going to facilitate it, then you need to give, you know, assign someone and say, all right, you're in charge of making sure set an agenda, distribute it to everybody. Yeah. And I think that's more what you're what you're saying is like getting right. Is it? I guess I guess I shouldn't assume I should ask. (laughs) No, 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 you're you're absolutely right. Like, I don't think it's necessarily my job to facilitate it. But granted, unless it's like under the premise that I'm supposed to facilitate. Yeah, yeah. There's some where it is your job to facilitate it. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Providing clear direction. Yeah. And, you know, authoritative, like firm, clear direction is sometimes what your team needs. And they need someone to say, here's the next steps. Here's what we're going to do. If you want to change it, provide feedback. Let's be intentional about changing it. See, you're so good at that. <laughs> you're so good at that. There's so much. There's well, so much it, I learned from you. These sort of things. It's just like painful. It's going through the pain of like not doing that. There have been so many times where I asked someone to do something but gave them no direction and no leadership and was just mm-hmm. like, here you go. Go do it. And then they would come back with something and then I would like flip out and be like, this isn't what I wanted. And they were like, well, yeah, because you didn't fucking tell me what you wanted. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, right. People can't read my mind. I don't know if you've experienced this, but like for me, it took a while to go. You're not stifling creativity by giving people constraints Mm -hmm. or setting clear boundaries or any of that. You're actually Mm -hmm. encouraging creativity. And it's just like, you know, and it's often better to do things the way that you know how to do them and then like look for room to improvement, improve on them rather than trying to like, you know, reinvent the wheel all the time. Yeah, And like, those are all just painful lessons learned that we're still learning and still trying to implement and put into place. Like I've only just started to one, you may already do this, but like, as you're, you're trying to start being a little bit more disciplined and a little bit more like thoughtful Mm -hmm. about the leadership piece. Like one small thing I've been trying to do is just set aside some time on my calendar every Friday to just look ahead to the next week and like, go ahead and create the agendas or think about, oh shit, I've got that thing and that thing. And I'll go ahead and like plan out my week on Friday a little bit. And like, and again, I don't always do this. Like I've got the time Mm -hmm. blocked off and then sometimes I go, nope, don't have time for that. And then it gets done like Monday morning or something. Gotcha. But I'm trying to start building the muscle of like being more intentional about that stuff ahead of time so that I can provide more clear direction. I'm honored you think I do that, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) So that's interesting that you brought that up because I think this is another thing that I've kind of let slip a little. And and for the record, like, yeah, I absolutely think you're you're right. This isn't me beating myself up as much as it's just like, oh, like transitioning back into the other two things to pick. Yeah. I can't I can't read that. I don't know what that says. Resilient I've, management. Nice. What is another book I'm part of the way through reading. <laughs> you should just start like a Kindle, like like we're sponsored by Kindle now, or or an Amazon affiliate thing. Where we just have I just like books. books. I'm just a bookworm. I'm a, yeah, I'm a book nerd at heart. Yeah. Laura Hogan has. She also has a blog. If you don't want to read the book, but mm-hmm. she has a blog post about management process, running meetings as leaders, and how to think about making meetings more productive cool. and more useful. And that's where I got the idea to like block off some time every Friday to look ahead. She has some good ideas on just how to start putting a little bit more structure in place from like a people management side. Traction EOS is more of like a company management side. And then, you know, there's all these different. Yeah. Yeah. Just didn't want to claim credit for that. No, it's all you. (laughs) You made it up. That's that's your thing. It's the Andrew Askins School of Management. I will start doing that again. I usually do it on Sundays. Nice. Usually on Sundays, I'll look ahead of what the week is like. And 
adjust accordingly. Recently, during Sundays, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> well, for good reason. Sleep. Like, <laughs> that's Sundays are for rest. You you should be resting on the weekends. <laughs> this is why you should set aside time on Friday during the workday to do this kind of thing. Uh-huh. And then you should rest because part of being a good manager is also modeling healthy habits for your team. And taking care mm-hmm. of yourself I haven't finished reading the book but i think yeah. the reason it's called resilient management is because part of being a good manager is learning to take care of yourself so that you can then be a good manager because when you're super tired and exhausted and at your wit's end mm-hmm. you're not going to be the best leader and you're not going to like remember to be direct and be you're not going to be as clear in your communication and you're not going right. to be as empathetic with what people are dealing with and right those are all symptoms of just needing yeah. to take care of yourself and draw healthy boundaries well i'll buy the book <laughs> and all of you listening should buy the book <laughs> i need to start finishing some of these books that i talk about <laughs> i'm like halfway through that one i'm halfway through escaping the build trap i'm halfway through the war of art i'm halfway through traction i'm like gotcha <laughs> And by halfway, I mean a third of the way through all of this. <laughs> you have shiny book syndrome. I gotcha. I, I love gotcha. buying new books. <laughs> I see. Andrew Morris once said to me that like the most valuable a book will ever be to you is before you've read it. Yeah. Because like once you've read it, you've already gotten all of the ideas and everything out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I use that as an excuse to just constantly buy more books. <laughs> <laughs> just osmosis. <laughs> you know, eventually the book will deteriorate into the air and into your body. You went to a conference, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was in mm-hmm. DC last week. Uh, you and I got to meet meet yes. up. Um, Small efforts. We ate some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We got to hang out with Mary, which was super fun. We got to uh-huh. meet up with Greg Wells from Grey Noise um, and Mike Privet from Return on Security. And... We ate some fried chicken. I ate some fried chicken. I think you had prime rib. I did have prime rib. Yeah. I did have prime rib. I My fried chicken was fantastic. It was so good. Yes, I can't um, want to go back. Although, go back although multiple people made fun of me for going to going to your favorite restaurant in DC because apparently it's a, a basic choice. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Jeez. I'm although sorry, I did like, also have food. someone defend it. Someone said, yeah, but Founding Farmers is really good. So who defended it? Uh, my friend Catherine, I think. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, Catherine. I thought it was someone I would know, but no. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, so we got to meet up. That was super fun. We yeah. ate, they ate some good, uh, good food and went bowling. And I stayed up too late, and I'm old, and I felt like shit the next day. Uh, I got to meet Bina, our project manager, for the first mm-hmm. time. We had some dope ceviche, and nice. just like sat at dinner like talking for like three hours and i was like shit i like all the people i work with i wish i could see them more yeah and yeah so that was super rewarding uh super fulfilling the main reason i was there was blue blue cyber summit that's what it was called blue mm-hmm. cyber summit um mm-hmm. blue ventures is a originally they were an angel group um mm-hmm. but now they're actually raising in uh some outside capital and have a a cyber fund about a 25 million dollar cyber fund they invest in seed and series a they'll write checks as small as fifty thousand dollars it's not the first time they've done it but first time since covid at least in person so blue cyber summit are about 200 people there mix of primarily vcs who invest in cybersecurity startups and then cybersecurity and kind of related startups so really great place for us to be from a networking standpoint got to meet uh, a previous prospect 
who ended up winning the pitch event. So that was cool. Roselle Safran with Key Caliber. Nice. And then, yeah, what else? I, I got to spend some time in the Gray Noise office. I did end up going to the Gray Noise office for a little bit on Thursday. I got to meet Guillermo, their head of engineering, nice. and he and I also got some good food and sat there talking for like two hours while I just pestered him with questions about product vision and just how, yeah. how he thinks about building teams and yeah. um, management and all this stuff. So that was fun. Yeah. And then, yeah, so my week was mostly just like kind of running around talking to people nice. last week and then not work related at all, but my, my parents were in town this, cool. this weekend. Nice. Um, so I got home and then my parents were in town, got into town Friday and we basically just spent all weekend eating in some of our favorite restaurants in Detroit. We went to a Tigers game. We went and saw some jazz at a local wine bar, sat outside, weather was beautiful. So yeah, it was a good week last week, a week full of just people and friends and family and can't complain too much. Good. That's awesome. That's sick. I'm happy for yeah. you. Yeah, man. What else is going on in, in Miscreants slash Sean world? How was your trip to DC? It was good. It was stressful. Um, it was just a stressful week last week, but I think we're through it, which is good. I also think our sales cycles are short because usually our clients are like, hey, we need this like last week, you know, trying to stop doing those as much as we can because it's a good sprint for the team. I think there's good long sustained intensity and then there's burning the midnight oil intensity and trying to keep that ladder to a minimum. But that being said, you know, brought in some really just good revenue that we were sort of missing in May that's kind of led to some other things recently. So I think a lot of my time last week was really kind of thinking about kind of our structure and the team and the future of miscreants. I think, I think I've made a decent amount of progress. I think like this week was sort of be the turning point. I got to go bowling for the first time in like three, four years. Not that anyone else went bowling during COVID. Right. But that was cool. We're both pretty bad at bowling. You're, I'm you're amazing slightly at bowling. better I'm than really I am, but, but we got our Anyone who's kicked. listening to this, I'll bet you money that I can. Oh, speaking that, of, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say that doesn't, that doesn't indicate to me at all that, that you are good at bowling. That just indicates to me that you like to bet people money on stupid things. Yeah. The, <laughs> speaking of betting people on stupid <laughs> ball sports and things, coming back from DC, I got to catch up with Harry who helps us do sales and is our growth advisor here at Miscreants. He was in New York. We got to hang out very briefly, got some bond me. And then I went to go see some friends over in Brooklyn and we went and played pool. So it's a good kind of way to wrap up the trip. And we definitely bet money. And now <laughs> those suckers owe me two bucks. <laughs> um, I'm really good at not hitting the eight ball in before the other person hits the eight ball in. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much my full strategy as well. Yeah. If anyone wants to play me in pool as well and bet money, all for it. (laughs) All for it. There are a bunch of uh, places near me that have, that are super easy to go play pool at. So, coming coming out in Detroit. You got it. You got it. Um, I've also just been traveling or, or I've made like some mental note to like travel outside of New York once a month. Um, So, Virginia was that trip. Don't know what my well June is going to be SF for RSA and B sides, yep. and then it'll be also good to kind of 
hang out with SF, other sort of SF people. I will not be at RSA and we may even need to take a break from the podcast for a minute or play one of the lost tapes because I am going to the UK for 10 days and I'm going to try to think about work as little as possible. Gotcha. We're in the UK. Uh, So we're going, we're flying into London. uh, So May 28th through June 7th. Um, You want to go, you can stop by our London office. You have a London, you have somebody in London? Yeah, I have two Londoners now. Oh my God. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I am going to meet up with some, some internet friends while I'm there. Nice. Um, Amazing. My friend from Barcelona and my friend uh, who lives outside of London, they're both going to come in and hang out for, for a night. And um, I think we're cool. going to go to Dishoom, like this really nice Indian restaurant. Cool. Um, and then maybe maybe uh, rent a, a boat and putz around one of the rivers. Yeah. So we're going to be in London for like three days and then we're going to Bristol for one day and then a little town called St. Cavern in Cornwall. Mm-hmm. Um, and the primary reason we're going is because in St. Cavern, there is a potter who Maddie really loves. And so we're going so that Maddie can take a pottery workshop. So she's going to take a pottery workshop for like three days. Um, and then I'm trying to see if I can line up a climbing guide to go take me um, climbing on some of the sea, kif- sea cliffs around Cornwall. Um, and if I can't do that, then I'm probably just going to hike and read and chill. That sounds like a lot of fun. Are you, have you done, pot, are you a big potter? Are you big potter? Potterier? Nope. What is it? Potter. Yeah. Potter. 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 Are you? Um, I see. No, no, no. Maddie's, Maddie's the potter. Um, gotcha. I think it's, I think it's probably good for us given that we live together and work together to have some things that we do individually. So yeah, mine yeah. is rock climbing and Maddie's is potty, pottery. Potty, pottery, pottery. <laughs> yeah. rock climbing, um, rock climbing. Nice, yeah, man. Cool. I'm just gonna make a stupid joke about how I'm glad we're all exploring our hobbies. You being rock climbing, Maddie being potting, pottery, pot, pottery, what is the pottery. pottery, pottery. Thank you. And and me being you know being a degenerate gambler. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a running joke in our Slack now. Is what I realized. I have random actually muted, and I went back in, and it's like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Sweet man. Cool. Well, always good catching up. No, you got to yeah. run, but uh, yeah, we'll cool. uh, we'll either play a lost tape or or maybe find some time to squeeze in another episode. Yeah. Or just I could just talk to Austin. You know. Or you could talk to Austin. I don't need you. Oh, that's, that's actually no. That makes so much sense. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. Talk to Austin. All right, cool. Yeah, it's the Sean and Austin show. Finally, our voices won't sound like the same <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, I don't think Austin and I sound alike. Have you ever talked so. to Austin? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've, you've yeah, had yeah. a couple of conversations with Austin. Yeah, Austin's dope. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. I can't wait to ask how his startup is going. Yeah, I'm curious too. Cool. <laughs> right. Cool, man. All right. I'll see you later. Bye. Take care. Bye. You just listened to Small Efforts, a podcast collaboration between Crit and Miscreants, hosted by Sean Sun and Andrew Askins. Sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of Miscreants, a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures. Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of Crit, a product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at smalleffortspod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next episode.